Thank you for checking out episode 175 of Monster Kid Radio, the podcast where we celebrate the classic and sometimes not so classic genre cinema of yesteryear. Welcome to the podcast. My name is Derek M. Cook. I'm your host, writer, producer, and we're opening up the show with the song Mas Turbante. It's from The Abstinence, and it's from the album Paraiso de Excesos. It appears on this episode of Monster Kid Radio with the band's permission. You can find them at the-abstinence.bandcamp.com. Go check them out and tell them that Monster Kid Radio sent you. But wait until you're done listening to this episode because I've got a treat lined up for you all here. Now, first of all, though, I want to tell you about monsterkidradio.net. You're going to find a link to the Abstinence's Bandcamp page over there as well as a link to everything else that we ever talk about here on the show as well as our contact information which is monsterkidradio at gmail.com or our voicemail line which is 503-479-5657 that's 503-479-5MKR that's important I'm going to come back to that at the end of the show we also have everything else you need to know about Monster Kid Radio out there links to our live 365 internet radio station a link to our Patreon page where you can become a patron of the podcast we also have a link to our Facebook group where conversations are happening with Monster Kid Radio listeners between episodes. Go check that out. If you're a Facebook user and you haven't given us a like yet, well, we've got a Monster Kid Radio page. As of this recording, 468 likes. We're trying to get to 500 by the end of the month. Can we do it? Well, with your help, I think we can. All right. This week on Monster Kid Radio, we are continuing our celebration of Women in Horror Month. This is an annual event once a year. Various blogs, websites, YouTube series, events happen all across America, maybe even all across the world, celebrating women in horror. Because let's face it, there are a lot of contributions made to this genre by women, and they don't always get the attention that their male counterparts might get. And this is especially true with a lot of classic genre cinema, which, I mean... Let's face it, it's kind of a boys club, and it was very evident in the older era, the era that we like to celebrate here. So this month, Monster Kid Radio celebrating Women in Horror Month. Last week, we talked about a couple of movies, had Tracy Morris on the show. This week, we have Tracy's husband, Scott Morris, providing the content. What's that content? Well, this is exciting for me. I did not get a chance to go to October's Monster Bash. Now, there was a Monster Bash during the summertime. I went to that, but they had a hammer-centric Monster Bash in October. Scott and Tracy went to that. Scott went to various question-and-answer sessions, got some interviews as well. By the way, speaking of which, he got an interview with Veronica Carlson. You can check that out over on 1951 Down Place. Stay tuned for the promo for that. He also got an interview with Caroline Monroe, which will be appearing on the 1951 Down Place podcast down the line. In this episode, you're going to hear the question and answer session that he recorded at Monster Bash. He got permission from them to run it here on Monster Kid Radio. So that's what you boys and girls are going to get this time around. It's about a half hour question and answer session with Caroline Monroe. Why don't we roll into that right after this? I love the sound of dripping blood. My name is Dracula. Yes, Dracula. A.D. 1972. I'm back from the dead. A blood-sucking creature. A soul in hell. I come forth from my grave from sunset to sunrise. Are you sure I'm not with you now? (laughs) 
look around. Perhaps I'm in the same room with you, or in the back seat of your car. Dracula is alive and well and starring in Dracula A.D. 1972. For lovers of the occult, Dracula A.D. 1972. And on the same program for lovers of the macabre, Crescendo from Warner Brothers, rated PG. Film productions began in 1934, and after producing almost 200 films and television programs, the studio is still releasing and re releasing new and classic film titles. 1951 Downplace is the podcast that brings you the story of the great Hammer films, one movie at a time. Here are your hosts describing what Hammer means to them. First is Casey. Hammer means the beautiful and glamorous women of Hammer horror, the engaging storytelling and amazing period films. Joining him is Derek. Hammer means the incredible work of actors like Peter Cushing, Christopher Lee, and even Michael Ripper. The gothic storytelling, the incredible music, and the set pieces. And finally, here's Scott. Um, well, Hammer means how to get a nail into a block of wood. This boy has a lot to learn. Join our hosts as they make their journey through the Hammer Films catalogue and discuss each film with critical opinion, historical facts, production notes and other information about these classic films. 1951 Downplace can be found in iTunes or their website www.1951downplace.com Should I have said Hammer Pants? 1951 Downplace, the home of Hammer Films discussion. Paramount Pictures presents a dual, ghoul, double scream show. Scream number one. Frankenstein and the monster from hell. See the eeriest transplant in the history of horror. His brain came from a genius. His body from a killer. His soul came from hell. It's the newest and most frightening Frankenstein ever filmed. Scream number two. Captain Kronos, Vampire Hunter. The only man alive, feared by the walking dead. Born the night creatures and the dark Captain Kronos is here. Frankenstein and the monster from hell. Plus, Captain Kronos, Vampire Hunter, all shot. In color, both rated R. Under 17, not admitted without parents. Now scream! What lovely music for a murder. Or two. Or three. Or nine. Who's this? Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to meet a dear friend. Nine killed you. Nine shall die. Your wife no vibes. But you I will kill. But you can't, doctor. I am already dead. Here, how are we going to get him off this? You take his head and I'll take his feet. Let's unscrew him. Dr. Vibes, who samples the finer things of life. In his own inimitable way. Uh, There's boils, bats, frogs. 
frogs, yes. And the curse of blood. Curse of hail in the bloody middle of nowhere. Are you ready for Dr. Five? I got to, of course, it's great to have Carolyn back again. She's a Monster Bash alumni and a pleasure to have at Monster Bash. Let's give it up for Carolyn. The great thing about Monster Bash is, at least for me, you know, when I was younger and went to go see The Spy Who Loved Me, if anybody told me that I'd be up on a stage talking to one of the Bond girls from that movie, I'd say you're crazy, but here we are. And this is just, it's wonderful. I'm loving this. Well, me actually, me too, really. Excellent, excellent. Now, Spy Who Loved Me wasn't your only James Bond film. I understand that you did have a role back in the 1967 Casino Royale. Is that true? I wouldn't call it a role exactly. I was a kind of a blink of an eye, and I was an extra. But you were in it. I was in it. I was actually in it. There was myself and about 40 different ladies, all with machine guns. <laughs> and so I was one of those ladies. So there you go. Yeah. So no, I was in it. That's uh, actually two Bond films. So. Yes, two Bond films. Yeah. Te technically. Technically. Yes. Exactly. And they used, they used one of my uh, little photos. I was dressed in the Paco Rabanne clothes. And they used the photo for a lot of the publicity, but no, I didn't have a role. Yeah. What was it like on the set of The Spy Who Loved Me, you know, working on a Bond production? What was that like? I tell you what, um, really, truly, nobody does it better like a Bond than a Bond film. It was just amazing. Because you had Cubby Broccoli, this extraordinary, uh, wonderful, gentle, giant of a man, genius, um, who, who was the kind of the, um, what is it, the looker after of the, of the Bond. Um, so, so you had him, and he set the tone with, with working on, a, on the film. Um, and then, of course, you had Lewis Gilbert, who was an extraordinary director, who had done some wonderful, wonderful films before, educating Rita being one of my favourites. Um, so, and then you had Roger. I mean, what girl could resist Roger Moore? He was just extraordinary as my Bond. I'm sure Martine would beg to differ, but my Bond was Roger. And, uh, and then and Barbara, Barbara Bach, uh, Kurt Jurgens, and of course my beautiful, beautiful dear friend, Richard Keel, who, um, you know, sadly is no more, but it was a very amazing time to, to um, be involved with that. You know, we, we just had an extraordinary time and a family time. It was very much a, a family film. Yeah, that, that's excellent. Um, shifting gears a little bit now, if you uh, you appeared in the two Abominable Doctor Fives movies, Abominable uh, Doctor Fives and Doctor Fives Rises Again, um, and that. The Fives movies, as I understand it, led to your Hammer contract. Is that true? Do you know what? I'm, I'm not quite sure because I think, I'm not sure, I'm hopeless with dates. I don't know about you lot, but I'm, 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 especially the older you get, 
You know, I get kind of woolly about things like dates and things. But I think I had the contract at the time. Oh, you did? I think I did because they let because I was offered the role, the very taxing role of uh, Victoria Fives um, in, in, in both films. And, and Hammond let me out of the contract um, to do the films. But they oh, said, okay. Okay, yeah. I think that's how it worked. And, but they said, under no circumstances can you have your name. You know, up there. That was fine. You know, what's in a name? You know, I really was not bothered. Okay. I just wanted to watch Vincent work and, and. And what was Vincent like? Oh, Vincent Price. Is of course we've got his wonderful daughter here, so I'll have to go and have a chat with her. But um, what an extraordinary man! Did anybody ever have the pleasure of meeting him? Did anybody meet him? You did, Michael. You did. I mean, extraordinary. Um, Totally genuine, totally down to earth, an extraordinary voice, and I would just sit. I was very young when I when I was his wife um, in the film. Um, <laughs> that was a long time ago. But um, I would sit on the side of the set and just listen to him, watch him work, and just listen. And he he was such a master. He, he just kind of he totally. Uh, got under the skin of the character and he made it his own and it was so stylish and quirky I don't think anything had ever been done like that so it was um, just wonderful, wonderful to watch and be a little part of I'm just curious, I know he was a, uh, a, a, an accomplished chef an incredible, did he do any did he provide any meals during this? Or? That's funny you should say that I'm sure some of you have heard this before but yes, he was an amazing chef and he did many Cookbooks and he cooked on television. He also cooked for myself and the makeup girls and hair um, dressers for first thing in the morning. So he would come into the makeup room at 6.37 in the morning, having been slaving away with these. I remember one morning he, he, he brought in this beautiful homemade pate that he'd made the night before. And he said, you've got to try this. This is one of my favorite recipes. So we sat there, the makeup girls and I, and we, and we tried it. And it was absolutely delicious. Yeah, he was an um, accomplished cook. He was, he was. He was very good. And a multi-talented, multi-disciplined individual. And so yeah. nice. So, yeah. so all that wonderful stuff and an amazing actor, but really a really decent chap, just a lovely bloke. Now, you, of course, you mentioned Hammer, and um, what was it like working at Hammer Studios back in back in the seventies and, 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 and Dracula AD and Captain Kronos? What was that time period like? It was an extremely exciting time for me because I was young and and I I worked. Well, I, as you showed, I did a film called Talent for Loving with Richard Whitmark. That was one of my first in Casino Royal. But um, it was a really exciting time because I was so aware of the Hammer films and their um, exposure and, and their... Uh, people loved them. You know, people really liked them and respected them. And so when I was offered the contract, I was absolutely delighted and incredibly surprised because I hadn't had a you know, a huge amount of work, uh, body of work behind me, although I had had to uh, do a screen test before I was offered the, the role. But working on Dracula AD was a real revelation for me because I suddenly was thrown in with the big boys. I mean, suddenly there I was 
on the set with Christopher Lee, Peter Cushing, and Stephanie Beecham, and you had all these amazing actors who had had a lot of training. You know, most of them came from uh, drama school and film school, and Peter, of course, uh, and, and Christopher. I mean, oodles of films, lots of films and stage experience. And there I come from left of field, this new kid on the block. And, and it, was a, it was a brilliant turning point for me as, a, as an actor to, to suddenly work with Christopher. It really, um, I found it very inspirational. I really did. I learned a lot from just watching these wonderful people work. And, and Peter Cushing was such a gentleman. I, I happened to meet Peter Cushing years ago at a convention. And it was a famous monsters convention. And he was only supposed to be there for 45 minutes. And of course, there was a gang of kids online. Um, and he stayed and signed for every kid on that line. He was, and he was just as nice as could be. Uh, your memories of working with uh, Peter? Uh, absolutely what you say. You, there's nobody, I defy anybody, to have a bad word about Peter. He was the sweetest, kindest, funniest. People forget, he was actually very oh, funny. Yeah. Um, actor, person, actor, yes, but person, as a person, he was just extraordinary. Had a really huge heart, again, totally grounded. I think very often you find, certainly I've found, that the bigger the actor, very often, the nicer they are, you know, because they, 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 they just, they don't have to try. You know, it's them, and the acting is a part. I mean, they're, they're extraordinary doing their work. But at the same time, they're very humble. Peter was very humble. And to actually get to work with him... On the Dracula film, I had no scenes with him. But I had the great delight to spend six or seven weeks with him on At The Earth's Call. And I'd go to work with a smile on my face every day. Because I knew I was working with Peter in every scene and down with Claire. So I was surrounded by two of the most brilliant... Brilliant actors and, and lovely gentlemen, and and he would sit with me, Peter, um, and we'd go over the lines and stuff. And my my um, grandfather actually uh, died during the making of the film, and obviously we couldn't really take any days off. But um, I remember Peter being extraordinarily caring and and looking after me, and and we'd sit. Some of the afternoons we'd sit, he'd say, come and have a cup of tea with me. So we'd go and sit, and we'd have just a cup of tea and maybe a cake or something. And he, I have just the best memories of Peter. I believe it. I... Uh, really, absolutely. He was a joy. And you can see it. You can, I mean, he could play bad. He could play funny, but he could also play just beautiful, beautiful person, which is what he was. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to open it up to questions okay, at this point. So if we have questions... How about right here? I have heard it rumored that you were supposed to play Vampirella in a Hammer horror film of that sometime around 1970-71. Is there any truth playing Vampirella? If you've ever had a chance to play Vampirella, I there was there was talk. I mean there there was talk that um, I mean they had various actresses obviously, but there was talk that I might have been kind of the right sort of type that they wanted for, for Vampirella. Um, I, I actually went to read for one in, I think it was Italy, 
I'm not, I get confused because I thought it was Vampirella, but maybe it was something else. But when I, I read it and I, I, I met the chap, the director, I, I thought, no, that's not for me. But Vampirella itself would have been amazing. So maybe this was a spin-off, but it was slightly something I didn't want to do. But, but I, I just love the idea of her. She's like a kind of modern day, I don't know, she's like a, a, a Laura Croft or, or a, a, I don't know, she's a real kind of Amazonian lady and I think it would have been wonderful to play her, but um, it, it wasn't meant to be, but yes, there was talk at the time. Questions? We have questions? Right here. Dick. Hello, <laughs> Dick. You're talking about Peter Cushing. Do you remember anything funny Anything funny that Peter Cushing did behind the scenes, that kind of thing? I'm trying to think. He was always funny. I mean, I say always funny. He wasn't always funny, but he had moments, and I, I just remember him, especially in at the Earth's core, um, he would bring his props to the set. And, and so what he did, he, he kind of really got into character as this wonderful, eccentric what was it, Dr. Abner Perry? Yes, Dr. Abner Perry. Gosh, that got the old cocks going. Um, yeah, really. And, and he would bring, he suddenly came in one day and they hadn't supplied him with props because he wanted to do his own. And he came with, with this extraordinary um, uh, umbrella, but with a, a, like a duck's head on it. So he came, and this was to fight the fiery beasties. <laughs> so, um, so he did proceed to do that. But, but he, whatever he did, he did with such a plum. You know, he was just extraordinary. Uh, and so clever, so inventive. And I watch him, and I, I'm a bit like a sponge. I kind of absorb that, and just fascinating to watch. I remember he, um, when he was signing, and he was smoking at the time, and he was wearing these white gloves... And the kid in front of me asked, you know, well, why are you wearing gloves? So he doesn't stain his fingers yes. with the nicotine. He yeah. wore these white gloves. He did, so. he did when we had tea, actually. Oh, he no always did the white gloves. Very cotton, very soft, very, very lovely. Yeah. Um, but he did wear the white gloves. Yeah. Questions? Right over here. Somebody's telephone. I can hear spooky, spooky. Question? Aliens. Sorry. I have a Facebook friend in England that said, he met you one time. And you told a fantastic, funny story about how the police picked you yeah, up. Uh, <laughs> the police? Yeah, yeah. yeah actually, that, that's absolutely true. I did, did you? It was a story about me getting picked up by the police or stopped by the police. It's absolutely true. We'd just been filming um, my demise in Dracula AD. Uh, yeah, with a, <laughs> with all, I was slightly um, uh, messy, I suppose, to, to put it uh, politely. Um, so we'd finished the scene. I, I had a quick shower in my dressing room, and I had a dinner party to, to make when I got back, and it was about 5.30, 6 o'clock, so I thought, oh, well, I'll do the rest at home. So I jumped in my trusty Mini Cooper. I'm sure none of you know what that is. But it's a, oh, we do. Yeah. Yeah, we do have you? We have here. Do you? We sure do. But not the old original type. I mean, my woof, mine was a bit of a souped-up one. Um, and anyway, yeah, it was a bit. I was a bit of a bit of a racy driver. <laughs> anyway, um, so jumped in the car. Uh, I still actually, I did. I thought, well, I'll change when I get home, have a nice bath, and I'll have time and cook for dinner. So I jumped in the car, had the shroud on, had all the blood, and was whizzing along the motorway or freeway, as you call them. 
and, and then and it was getting dark because it was in the winter and then I was driving and then I looked in my mirror and I thought, oh no, suddenly there was the blue light, whizzy, yeah, whizzy, whizzy. I thought, well, what should I do? I've just got to drive a little bit more. Maybe it's, maybe it's going past. Maybe there's been an accident. You didn't stop. I didn't stop. Yeah. I didn't stop for a while. Then I kept going, going. And then it pulled out. It whizzed past me. And then, then, of course, it slowed up. So I thought, no, what have I done? Um, of course, what I'd done, I'd, I'd, I'd been speeding. Uh, in a, about a, I don't know, 40 mile an hour zone. I was going about 70. I was in a hurry. There's a girl in a hurry. Um, so anyway, pulled over. They pulled me over and they, you know, got out. You could see both of them. I thought, oh gosh, I'm in real trouble here. So they got out. So I wound my window. We didn't have electric windows in those days. So wound the window down. And he stuck his head in. He said, excuse me, miss. And then he said, he said, <laughs> he said are you all right, miss? I said, oh yes, I'm fine. I said, what have I done? And he, he just stopped, he kind of just looked at me and he said, he said, well, I for, I've forgotten what you've done, but are you sure you're all Because right? I had all the, I said, I'm absolutely fine. And then he said, but, you know, messy, messy. I said, I said, oh, I'm sorry, I've actually been working. He said, what do you do? I said, we've actually been at Pinewood and we've been shooting a horror film with Christopher Lee. Christopher Lee. He said, Anyway, to cut a, a very long story short, they let me go. I didn't get a ticket, but they said, now you will drive carefully and you will wash yourself. I said, I will wash myself, yes, and I will drive very carefully and slowly. That's great. Now, great. Story. That's great. Questions? We have questions. Uh, how about over here? Right here, yeah. No, right behind you. Uh, Hi, Sam. Uh, Hi. Do you have any thoughts either way on uh, your, your film Maniac that was remade recently? Do you have any thoughts on that? Thoughts on the remake of Maniacs? Do you know what? Um, I feel very uh, guilty to say I haven't seen the new one, although I hear wonderful reports about it. And I'm, I'm so delighted that Elijah Wood uh, liked the old one so much that he wanted to, to do a little pay homage to, to our one. But they say it's, it's wonderful. You've seen it, haven't you, Dan? A lot of people say it's wonderful. I mean, obviously, it's got a budget, <laughs> this one. Whereas ours had a very, very small budget and was shot on... 16 and they blew it up to they blew it up so um to for the big screen uh, but no I, I do want to see it and my thoughts are good thoughts well done you know and if, if, it, if it does well i'm so delighted and i'd love to meet him too he's here he's here, he's here and he's filming here in pittsburgh wow wouldn't it be nice if he came along i'd love to say hello shake his hand that would be great but no Okay, questions? I'm going to see it. Right here. Okay. I don't. Um, I'm a huge fan of Kathy Cronos, which I'm sure everyone this is as well. I, I think of all your films, and no mistake, Caroline, I love all your movies. It's all fine work. But I think from a dramatic standpoint, where you were like a big part of the film, I think Cronos is your pinnacle film. Um, can you elaborate on how it was for the first Jansen and the rest of the cast? And, any amusing anecdotes or really interesting anecdotes that we haven't read in books or we haven't talked to people I've mentioned before about working on the film? Oh, no, I, I really enjoyed, we're talking about Captain Crows, yep. Vampire Hunter. Um, that was a brilliant film to, to make. And also I think, I think 
I saw it actually recently at a film festival, and I think it holds up really well because it doesn't seem to date. You know, it somehow doesn't date. Maybe the special effects aren't the best. I mean, obviously they're not CGI. They were actually done on set. And, uh, but it's very gentle, and it's quite kind of esoteric and thoughtful as a, as a, as a film. I think it's very nicely shot because it was all shot on mostly on location. We did a few uh, inside shots. So the n- lighting is very natural lighting. It's, it has a very naturalistic look to it. I think it really benefits from the outdoor. It, yeah, the out- it had to be outdoor, didn't it? Somehow called for outdoor. And the great thing was, I remember um, uh, just going into the makeup and, and uh, they would always say, they'd always say, well, He'd look at me, the makeup, the hairdresser, actually. He said, have you washed your hair? I said, no. He said, fabulous. I said, right. Well, just rub a bit more dirt in it. So, so you know, that, that was my making a little bit of dirt, tiny little bit of stuff on my eyes, and, and that was it. So I, I just, very, very fond memories of doing that. And they, they kind of got around certain scenes for me that I wasn't necessarily really happy to do, but they knew uh, from the up upstart of the film that I didn't really want to do nudity, you know, it's just a personal choice, I mean it's great in the right um, setting and stuff, but it's something I chose not to do so what they did uh, Brian and his very clever camera people would set up um, we call them Charlie bars there's certain, I don't know if you call them that in in America, but they're kind of blocks of uh, light or uh, that you can kind of block out things. So I had very long hair in those days and I kind of, I I was actually quite happy with um, uh, appearing naked, but, but I felt really comfortable. It was like walking on a beach, so I had my hair kind of stuck to me, front and back, and um, and then a pair of flesh-coloured knickers, or panties, as you, uh, knickers, panties, as you call them here. Anyway, so, so we kind of got round that, and I think it conveyed without too much, uh, and he felt fine, Horst Janssen was, was we, we kind of felt, you know, good with that, it, it kind of worked. He was extraordinary as an actor and as a swordman, swords master. Uh, Horst, he worked so hard on some of those scenes, and I think he was very dashing and perfectly cast as Cronus. And I'm only sad it didn't get to go on and, and make a sequel. Yeah, I had re- actually read that uh, they were thinking about doing a series with Captain Cronus. It was going to be a series, but it, I guess it just didn't pan out. I've read that someplace. Do you know why? I think yeah, because the box office. In the box office, it came out about a year later, and it had a very a gentle release. Nobody really knew about it because it didn't have the things that they considered. Uh, uh, what's the word? Commercial. It didn't have the nudity. It didn't have uh, maybe the sexiness. It didn't have the uh, blood and uh, horror content that was going at that time. And of course, it was early seventies, and films definitely over here were getting much stronger and more explicit. And and I think. Cronus kind of slipped through the net a bit until it got rediscovered. And then people actually thought, well, actually, this is quite a nice film. Brilliantly shot and directed by Brian. And, and you know, it, it, it gained legs. It gained, you know, gained kind of... Uh, I think so. Uh, questions? This side, right over here, white hat. Uh, 
I love westerns. You made one with Richard Woodmark. How did that come about? And any Woodmark interesting stories? You don't hear a lot about interesting stories about interesting. Richard Woodmark. Richard Woodmark. Are you from Canada? Yes, we are. I thought so because about about. I love it. I love it. I love it. When did you drive down? Yeah, yesterday. Oh, yesterday. Are you here for the whole weekend? Yes. Brilliant. I will enjoy it. Um, Richard Wimmer was fantastic to work with, um, and that they've enhanced the whistling. But I did have to whistle Handel's Water Music. Not the easiest, if any of you lot have tried. I can kind of still remember it, but I don't think I can whistle it. But. Um, uh, and uh, my father, who was a, a lawyer, and had watched cowboy films all his life, so I grew up with John Wayne and you know a lot of the cowboy films. And suddenly, my daddy came with me and my mom to to Spain, where we were shooting Talent for Loving. And then he he actually got to meet his his idol, Richard Widmark. And there I was playing his daughter. So um, he was just extraordinary. To work with, and that's one of my first kind of bigger roles. Um, and I remember the first time I came on set with Jean-Pierre Page, who was the he she played his wife or his mistress in the film, lovely French actress. And I remember the first time we came on set, and I was so over the top, so over the top, and he was kind of standing in the corner, quietly watching, and and then he just very gently came over when we did our scene. And he said, remember, Caroline, he said, just remember this, you're about 30 or 40 foot high on screen, your face, you know, it's 30 or 40 foot long, large. Um, I said, oh, yeah, so? He said, well, so everything has to come down, 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 smaller, smaller. And just remember, you say everything for the close-up. He said, just everything. So I thought, okay. So, and I watched him, and I learned. You know, you kind of learn. It's a learning process, especially if you haven't been to drama school, and I haven't. I haven't done any of that stuff. I just, I'm a very, I have to go by my instinct. You know, I, I don't like to rehearse particularly. Um, certainly I don't like to know questions. I just like a, just you know, go with it. just, I have to go with it. And <laughs> in my life too a bit, I'm afraid. But, you know, that's another story. We, uh, we have time for maybe one more question. One more question. Uh, how about right over here? How was it making the golden? I know that's one of your favorites, Warren, isn't it? Um, oh, it was quite extraordinary to be offered the role uh, for a start off because I think, um, and I have uh, Brian Clements to thank for that because they wanted the, the producers and uh, now Charles Schneer and I think Ray wanted a big name, they wanted maybe Raquel Welsh or a well-known actress and Brian Clements who directed Cronus had written the screenplay for um, Sinbad and he, he said he said, let me, let me just show you a bit of footage of this girl you know, she's not, she hasn't done anything but I think she could be your Mariana so, um, so they, they took uh, Ray and uh, Charles Schneer to, to see some and, and then they offered me the role just on that just on Brian's recommendation but to actually be on the set with we had wonderful John Philip Law who was so dashing and so incredible as our Simba and then you had amazing Tom Baker with his with his um, extraordinary voice and 
that led him to do the Doctor Who, that he, they'd seen him, the producers, and they saw him in that, and he was chosen for Doctor Who after that. And then to actually work with the, the uh, how can I say, the master, the genius, the, the friend, that was Ray Harryhausen. Um, it, it, it's difficult. It's, it's a different time period because it was early 70s and, and you, you were on the set, you were on maybe on location, you were, we were in the caves and, and then we had all these wonderful actors uh, working and then you had Ray. And Ray would just step in to do the special effects scenes. He directed them because he knew exactly what he was going to put on afterwards. You know, he, 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 he'd done these extraordinary diagrams that we were going to um, uh, react to. So he showed us the drawings first. And then, then he said, right, Caroline, this is what you're up against. This is it. This is uh, uh, a 20-high-foot uh, centaur with one eye. And he's heavy, and he's smelly, and he, and you know, he breathes, and you can hear him coming. And so, so you, he gave you that information, and then he had his great big stick. He had a massive big stick with an eye on it for me, and that was my eye, and I was kind of following the eye, and I'm following, following it. But I was a bit of a wimp in that film. I just, you know, I was the slave girl, so I had to. Be a slave girl in the in that film, but I loved it. I loved every minute of it, and I miss him so much. I'm I'm actually a trustee on his um, foundation. They, his daughter oh, Vanessa, which is amazing. I feel very honoured to have been asked to be a trustee to kind of keep spread the word of Ray, and also to um, uh, uh, keep up his creatures to to make sure they're um, refurbished. You know. To make sure they have, uh, what's the word? Uh, not Botox. <laughs> Something like that. To make sure they have a little bit of plastic surgery. You know, we, we, this is what we're doing. We're trying to keep it going. You know, keep, spread the word. Because his, his work is there for always and ever. And he, he forever in my heart. If you listen to 1951 Down Place, the show that I co-produced with Scott Morris and Casey Criswell, you know that Scott loves James Bond. So I can't help but imagine he was just sitting there with a big old grin on his face at the beginning of that Q&A session when they started talking about James Bond movies before they talked about Hammer, before they talked about Fives, before they talked about any kind of horror movies or anything like that. They talked about James Bond. So I know he got doubly excited, triply excited. He got very excited, I'm sure. And I bet it would have been a lot of fun to watch Scott watching Caroline Monroe. Big thanks to Scott for making this recording possible. I put it in there raw. It's uncut. I trimmed some things off the very end of the very beginning. But that was pretty much as it was at Monster Bash. So if you weren't there, well, now you heard what it was like. Scott, thank you for hooking Monster Kid Radio up. You're a legend. Next time on Monster Kid Radio here in a couple of days, um, you're just going to have to come back. Again, I've got some things in the works. It will definitely be part of Women in Horror Month. It might be something similar to what you heard this time. It might be something different, but I'm excited to share that with everybody here in a couple of days. Later on this month, I'm going to put out a segment on a show featuring your contributions. If you are a Facebook user and you're part of the Facebook group, you saw me put the call out asking listeners to call into our voicemail line, letting us know who their favorite women in classic genre cinema is. Again, our voicemail line is 503-479-5657. That's 503-479-5M. 
are. Of course, you can always send a wave or an MP3 file to monsterkidradio at gmail.com as well, if that's how you roll. But I do want to do this episode at the end of the month to kind of cap things off. So if you want to get your voice into the mix, well, you know how to get a hold of us. In the meantime, why don't we go ahead and wrap up? Monster Kid Radio is a registered service mark of Monster Kid Radio, LLC. All original content of Monster Kid Radio by Monster Kid Radio, LLC is licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 3.0 Unported License. Of course, that doesn't apply to the song Moss Turbante. That belongs to the band The Abstinence. You can find them over at the-abstinence.bandcamp.com. It's from the album Paraiso de Excesos. And their music appears on this episode of Monster Kid Radio with their permission. Talk to everybody here in a couple of days. <laughs> 